Hello and welcome to the Square State Sandlot Podcast. In this episode, we break down the wild action from week one in the NFL. We talk about the Wyoming Cowboys win against Northern Colorado and their upcoming matchup against Air Force, the Raiders and Steelers game recaps from week one, surprising results from other games on the week one slate, Kansas City versus the LA Chargers, other week two matchups we're excited to see, and much more. We hope you guys enjoy. Welcome back. We've got Kyle joining me. I am your host, Bill Montoya, and we're going to just go ahead and jump right into it. We've got the Wyoming Cowboys coming off a win, and they actually play tomorrow against Air Force. Yeah, Friday um, night game. What did you think? Did you get to watch the Northern Colorado game? I know you were switching. <sighs> Fortunately, um, I was in and out a lot. I was trying to watch the pit game, um, but unfortunately, the, the only part I missed was the very end, which is where we <laughs> seem to finally put it together. Yeah. Uh, I was really frustrated. I'm it's not a win I'm impressed with. We should no. have handled Northern Colorado. And up until the fourth quarter, we were not handling Northern Colorado. I don't know how else to say it. Um I'm personally over the bowl era. Yeah. Um I don't think he's capable of changing, which and that's fine. You know, I'm not a coach. He has his um, you know, he has his beliefs on what, what, how the team should operate, but it's not working. Um, I think we need to get hung, uh, younger at the coaching position. We need to update the offense. Whether that means some kind of spread, some kind of option where we're actually throwing the ball once in a while. I guess when it comes down to it, the, the reason I was so frustrated is, is because we don't pass until it's the only option. Yep. And that doesn't work. Um, I mean, it just doesn't work unless you are executing and we're not executing. So all in all, it's a win. I should be happier than I am, but yeah, I don't I mean, know. I'm, the really way that look, I'm not looking forward to Air Force. The way that we sound going into or coming out of this game, it, it sounds like the, the Wyoming Cowboys are 0-3 when in all reality yeah. they're 2-1. But this is a game that <laughs> yeah. is the is the cupcake game on the schedule and it was 10 to 16 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And exactly. they were favored by 23. They ended up winning by 23, but 17 of those points came in the last seven minutes of the game. So obviously it's, it's great that they did wake up and they did score in bunches right there at the end. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's really frustrating how it, it takes them to get into desperation mode before they actually open up the playbook. I mean, it's it's three quarters of run, run, pass, and and that's the whole offense. And I mean, everyone that's watched a Wyoming Cowboys game in the last, well, since Bulls have been here, I mean, they know exactly yeah. what we're going to do because nothing has changed. And like we were talking to Eric Polly, and I guess I should shout that out again. If you haven't caught the Eric Polly episode, go back and listen to it. It's a two-parter, two hours. Really it was. Time. It was fantastic. Loved having him on, and we will again at the end of the season to, to recap what happened with the Wyoming Cowboys season. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's it's just, like I said, since Bull's been here, it's the same offense. doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator is. And, I mean, this playbook might have worked back in the 90s when Nebraska was a thing, and, and that's where Bull was coaching. And I get that he has his skins on the wall, um, in the FCS, I mean, he won, I think, four championships back-to-back. Yeah. -back. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it worked some places, but in in <laughs> Division One college football, it's not going to work, and it clearly hasn't outside of having four 
NFL players on your on your offense. So, um, but I guess a couple nods from this weekend. Hoyland, the kicker, he he got Mountain West Conference Special Teamer of the Week again, and on to the bad news, they do open as 17-point underdogs against Air Force at home for that game tomorrow. So, A tough-looking uh, Air Force team. Obviously, they're favored for a reason. How are you feeling about the game? You think it's going to be closer than that? Worse? What do you, what do you feel? Um, unless we adapt, it's going to be horrible. You can literally watch 10 minutes of game film on the Cowboys, and you know what their whole entire game plan is, and that's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I think we're lucky to be 17-point underdogs. It, it could be really ugly. It really could. I hope it's not. I mean, I, I always like when we play Air Force well. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that we're, you know, it's early season jitters, and now we've figured some things out, and maybe things will gel a little better. But if we go in there like we did against Northern Colorado, it's going to be a really long day. Well, and the one positive thing is Air Force runs at triple option, so it eats up a ton of the clock. So yeah. at least it'll be a quick game if, if we do end up getting slaughtered. I, and that's kind of why I think they'll at least cover and, and not lose by 17. Uh, I think the way that Air Force runs the ball eats up a lot of the clock. And yeah. I think Peasley's starting to at least settle into passing when he gets the opportunities to do yeah, so. His throwing has been better for sure. Yeah, I mean, that first game, every pass he made was inaccurate. So he's definitely starting to, I think, grow into that role, and hopefully that allows Bull to open up the playbook a little more. Uh, although, like we've been talking about, he doesn't tend to do that. So anyway, we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, I guess one last note on that game is Bull said – this is the best Air Force team that that he's seen since he's been at Wyoming. And this is far from the best Wyoming team that we've seen while he's been there. So I don't think that's a, a good sign on, on where this game's going to go. But what did you have with, with your Pitt Panthers? Um, just, a, I guess, a little update. Not a, not a whole lot. I really mostly wanted to talk about one play. But um, they had a pretty tough loss to Tennessee coming off that uh, backyard brawl. Things were looking pretty awesome. Um, things were, you know, the team was gelling, the offense especially. And then we, playing Tennessee, we ended up down to our third string quarterback and still hung into that game. Um, it was rough to watch. It really was. Our our third string quarterback was not executing. Um, and it <laughs> As obviously you would shows. <laughs> um, but before that happened, um, Gavin Bartholomew, he's the tight end for, for oh. Pitt, had one of – I mean, it's like your Travis Kelsey, Gronk-type plays. Um, I mean, this, it was highlight reel of the week as far as I'm concerned. But he's a big boy. He's a big, big boy. And it was a 57-yard touchdown. And um, right after he made the catch uh, in the flat, he kind of went along the sideline and just straight up hurdled that dude. Classic DB going low. And big boy just went right over the top of him and, and ran in for the touchdown. So... If you have some free time and just want to look at a fun play, look up Gavin Bartholomew touchdown. Uh, yeah. Pretty special. It was, it was pretty awesome. I didn't see it live. But that's, I was, that's all I have. I was about, uh, I don't know, probably an hour behind that play actually happening. So I saw it on Twitter and sent it to you, and I I was speechless just watching that play. It was, it was a beauty. It was pretty amazing <laughs> but, what he did. So, uh, Gentlemen that size are not supposed to move like that is all I'm going to say. But, yeah, I, so that's all I got. Hat tip to to Gavin. That was a hell of a play. 
definitely made top 10, I'm sure, on SportsCenter. But, okay, so moving on from college football, we've got a little bit of, well, I think pretty much the rest of it is NFL. But um, most part. we're going to... We're going to go over our, our week one recap on, on different games, uh, starting with our, our own team. So I'll jump right into the Raiders. And obviously they, they lost that game. I think it was 24 to 19 was the final. Um, and quite honestly, they execute on that last drive. They, they win that game. And this is coming off three interceptions for Derek Carr. This was, I mean, if it wasn't his worst performance as a Raider, it was bottom three. Uh, I think that's only the third time he's thrown three interceptions in a game. And I think some of this may may have a lot to do with uh, sitting out the entire preseason. Uh, I know we're going to get into this a little bit further later on, but, I mean, he just looked off. I mean, he wasn't climbing up in the pocket when there was pressure around the edges. He was just sitting there like a, like a sitting duck. I mean, two of those max sacks literally the end got pushed yeah. or the tackle got pushed right into his lap and he just stood there instead of climbing up in the pocket and buying more time or scrambling and Josh McDaniel's answer for that was he doesn't want his quarterback running and I mean I can understand that you don't want Carr out there scrambling like he's Lamar Jackson but at the same time you don't want him just sitting there while the pocket collapses and taking sack after sack and that's what he did um, I think the Chargers ended up with five sacks at the end of the game, and three of those were by Khalil Mack. And quite honestly, I think at least two of them, probably three, were on car, just holding the ball too long and not getting rid of it. And then, <clears throat> I mean, two of his interceptions, if he placed the ball better, they were touchdowns, one to Dar Darren Waller, and then the one to Devontae Adams where he ran past everyone on the field, flagged flagged for, or called for the pass and yeah I mean Derek Carr instead of putting some zip on it he really lofted it under through it and it ended up getting picked off so better ball placement they win that game and that's that's where I'm staying on the optimistic side and and not getting too overwhelmed with the negativity that's flying around I mean Carr has definitely frustrated the hell out of me for for quite some time but at the end of the day, I know he's the best thing that we, the best option that we have at quarterback right now and probably in the future because where we keep ending up drafting, I mean, you're not going to get a top tier quarterback unless you really luck out. So um, be, beyond being frustrated with him, like I said, we had every chance despite all those errors to still win that game on the last drive. So there's some positive, positive news there. Defense looked really good after that touchdown they gave up. I believe it was halfway through the third quarter. They didn't give up anything else after that. So uh, defense looked really good. Didn't get a lot of pressure, which is not not what you want to see. I mean, they generated some pressure but didn't get home. Uh, Chandler Jones really got handled by Rashawn Slater, but he's also a Pro Bowl right tackle. I mean, he's only a second-year pro, but he is a stud. And then on the left side, Max got some pressure but didn't get home. He was in the backfield a lot to to force some uh, tackles for loss on running plays and whatnot. But so, like I said, I think a lot of it was first game jitters for Carr. A lot of it was first game jitters for a lot of the the rest of the offense, especially the offensive line. I still don't like that they're subbing guys in and out on that offensive line. Um, but 
I mean, I guess they got to figure out the rotation one way or another. So if that's how they're going to do it, then then get it done. Still need some help on that offensive line. I mean, but apparently the general manager and coach don't see it that way. They think they can fix what we have on the roster. So hoping it doesn't put us in a position where we're not making the playoffs because of it, especially when everyone on the planet can see we don't have a good offensive line and there's better options on the market. But um, I think that's probably the end. Raiders, Raider Nation, don't give up hope. This is only game one. Uh, 17 games in this season to, to or 16 more games to go in the season so I I always thought that they were gonna you know have some growing pains right at the beginning of the season although I did think they were gonna win this game so better news coming this way I think this week and and continuing on so what do you have for your Steelers how how do you think they did um I mean it was I guess I guess I'll start. We obviously won. Uh, we beat the Bengals 23-20. Um, not a single person on the planet was picking Cincinnati to, or, I mean, Pittsburgh to win that game. Nope. Um, at least on television. I did, for the record. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I guess I'll, I'll split it into two sections. I'll start with the defense. Um, it's just Steelers football. I mean, my God, they were so dominant. Um Ended up with four interceptions, and really, I considered a fifth because the Cam Hayward fumble, in my opinion, was a pick. They ended up ruling it a fumble on a on a sack. Um, but it all started. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow's first pass was Minka jumping her out for a touchdown, and they ended up going up 17-0 early. Um, and I mean, JJ Watt jumped, or JJ, TJ Watt jumped up to slot a pass and actually picked it right in the air. Uh, Cam Sutton had a pick, and then Cam Hayward, like I said, had that uh, that fumble. And I can't remember who the other the other interception was, but the defense played lights out. Um, yeah. And when when Cincinnati was able to do something on offense, it's because the off our offense didn't execute and put the defense back in some tough spots you could not ask more out of that defense um so i'll start there the defense is everything that we expect them to be um the one downside obviously was tj watt getting hurt uh initially it was thought i mean it is a torn pack but initially it was thought season over so obviously that was depressing um uh, they got some extra opinions and now they're looking at six weeks um yeah, it sounded like the tendon return, was intact. So, it was it was just the muscle right. that was torn, so that's why he's able so to go he'll back. be out for a bit, right? And I, I mean, we missed him a little bit last year. Obviously, not that long, but um, we have a good defense even without him. So I'm hoping that they're able to uh, execute. We have we have some pretty favorable games in our next little bit of this lineup, so I'm hoping we can eke out a few wins and. Um, yeah, so the defense did well. Now, switching over to the offense, it was a little frustrating. Uh, Najee never saw daylight. He actually ended up tweaking his ankle that he had in the preseason a little bit again, supposedly playing against New England this weekend. But um, he had a rough day, just never had any openings, which is all of last season, same thing. Um, our offensive line, surprisingly, um, Mitch didn't get sacked a lot. Our offensive line held better against a, a Cincinnati defense than I thought they would. Uh, still have a lot of work to do. Um, 
But ultimately, when it came down to it, the offense just wasn't moving the chains like I had hoped. I'm really hoping that Mitchell will set in, settle in a little better. Yeah. I will say that Matt Canada's offense was starting to come to light, and we were able to do a lot of this moving around, uh, and it opened up some plays. Like that last drive uh, to kick the game-winning field goal in overtime, uh, some of the plays they're doing, you know, designed to get to Friermuth and things like that, they're moving the chains finally. It's just I wish we could have sustained it during the game. We had, it would have been a blowout if our yeah. offense had showed up. Um, and then lastly, just the excitement of the game. Um, I mean, it was tied 2020. Cincinnati had just scored a touchdown at the end of regulation. Uh, Magic Minka, he owned that game uh, between that pick right at the gate. And then he was actually able to block the extra pointer we would have lost in regulation. Uh, then we go to overtime. Cincinnati shanks a field goal horribly, and he's a good <laughs> kicker. Yep. But they had a backup um, long snapper. They had a tight end in as their long snapper. So yep. I will give them a little bit of a, you know, excuse there because it, it is all about, you know, the time repetition yep. um, with your battery. So anyways, he shanks it. And then um, old Boswell, man, he's he's dependable. He is. And I, I don't hold this kick against him, but he booted one in overtime as well that I've the never heard doink. one ding off. Oh <laughs> man. I've never heard one go off the upright like that. It was so loud. It was solid and in and right out. And it was a good kick. It was a long kick. I thought he had it and it oh, just man. gonged right off the damn. Yeah. Pole. I mean, coming um, off his foot, it looked like it was curving right back in and last second goes right into the post. It was crazy. But again, back to our defense. I mean, it was a crazy game, but they were able to step up and, I mean, got us the ball back, and then old Boz was able to send her through for the win, and there's a lot of unhappy Cincy fans. It, it's, yeah. it's a good way to start the season. I thought for sure you guys were going to end up tied the way that that game was going because, <laughs> I mean, I think there were four kicks for, for the win, and only the last one ended up going in. So it was a crazy game. Yeah. But And the worst part I mean, was— it's typical, typical AFC North football, though. I mean, The worst part for me stressful. was— you guys went into overtime, so that made that meant I got to miss the first quarter essentially of oh. of my game. So, right, a little frustrated there, but I got the NFL no Plus app, so I got to watch at least on my phone. Um, but no, I think I think it was a really good showing for you guys. Obviously, losing TJ is going to hurt, but where it's only hopefully five six weeks, I think that'll put you guys in a good position to learn to play without him. Uh, get that yeah. offense going and and hopefully when he comes back he he just is an addition to that force that they're creating over my there. uh my, my last little tidbit on the Steelers before we jump into the rest of the league um I will say this if the next couple games the offense doesn't start to click don't Pick be surprised if the Kenny Pickett show starts early um yeah he at least brings something, some electricity to it that, and I like Mitch. I don't, I don't have anything to say bad against him yet. We'll see what happens, but uh, there's an electricity with Kenny. He's very mobile. He's, um, I mean, he gets the offense, I think, excited. Um, but that's but all how, I'll say is I, I, that could speed the process up. And how about that Deontay catch? That was a thing of beauty. Oh my God. And it didn't get talked about. Like no. because well, of, because I mean, of how fast everything was happening. Yeah. But I mean, like as far as media and later on, like, I mean, I was watching one of the shows and they were even doing the top grabs of the day. And I was just like, 
he wasn't yeah. on there, huh? That was ridiculous. Interesting. Because I mean, he one-handed on his hip, toe-tapped, right? I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah, I was watching I the, the countdown to Sunday night, and they showed it on there. And that's the only way I saw it. And I was like, man, that was a fantastic catch. But And, and there, there were, there's been people saying that he would regress this season, and he, he's still a fighter, man. I love having him out there, so... Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you when you thought the picket show might start if Mitch continues to struggle, but I think he's going to have a, well, I don't know. I mean, I you just guys think face... one game's too, oh, for sure. too short of time is. to even guess, but. And you guys are going up against Patriots and while they are struggling on offense and I don't think they have quite the talent that they had last year on defense, you always have Bill Belichick that's really good at scheming around uh, offenses, Rookies. so. We have yeah. rookies or inexperienced players for sure. So I'll be interested to see how Mitch does in that game. I did pick you guys, so we'll see. But I let's talk you. about yeah. Let's talk <laughs> let's about move on some the rest of the, of the league. Yes. Let's talk about some of the surprising results that we saw from around the league. And I, I think you you don't have to go too far. Um Seattle over Denver. What did you think about that game? Um, okay, so I even picked Denver to win this game. I so thought I. it was going to be tougher. I thought it was going to be tougher than a lot of people were giving Seattle credit for. It's tough to play in Seattle. I don't care how good the team is. It's an added dynamic. Geno Smith has been serviceable. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't know. I guess a lot of people are so surprised by what he did. A, I don't think his game was that over-the-top impressive either. He was a game manager. Well, the first half um, was very good, but second half, I I'll think give you that. I'll give you that, but as far as a complete game, I mean, it was managing the game. It, it's yeah. He's done this before. He's had success. He just hasn't had teams around him, and he still doesn't. Yeah. Um, not to the extent that you would like, but um, I think the moment was <sighs> – Denver fans don't don't hate me. I just think the moment was too big for for Russell Wilson. I think between the contract coming home, I just don't think he ever looked comfortable. Um, but honestly, I have to say the Denver defense is what I think surprised me the most. Yeah, um, I thought they would smother Seattle, and and I was wrong. Oh man, that penny went off running out of the backfield. I mean, they could not stop. He, he was my, he was, he was my auto pick when I disconnected in our draft. Yeah. Talk so, about lucky. Yeah. Yeah. He, he turned out okay. At least first game, but no, I think, um, I don't think Russ was expecting that welcome at all. I thought he was going to get some, or he thought he was going to get some cheers before the game. And then, you know, as the game progressed, then of course he's yeah. the opponent. So now we're going to start heckling really... him and whatever. But I was surprised initially. I was actually annoyed. I was like, this guy got you a Super no. Bowl, and this is how you receive okay. him. Well, I'm going to go – I'm going to deep dive into this. So <laughs> Please do. Uh, yeah, no, I think he was expecting a warm welcome, and, and he did not get that. So as soon as, as soon as I saw that pregame where he comes running out and they boo the shit out of him, I immediately wanted to switch my pick to the Seahawks, but I was already I locked in. So did I. So, I was like um, – but no, I think, and Pete Carroll really went in on this and it surprised me that he went this into detail in giving his answer because uh, a reporter basically asked him, and I don't remember which reporter it is, so I apologize, but uh, the reporter asked him, "What did this game mean more than, than your normal games? And he said, of course, 
and they said, do you want to expand upon that? And he said, well, I think you, you obviously know why it meant more. Um, but then he said, it's all about that. We wanted to show that it's all about the team and not, not the individual. Uh, so that's kind of a shot at Russ, um, how the whole contract thing broke down and how he wanted out despite them being able to give him a new contract. Um, there's rumors that he wanted his own, um, his own changing stall, his own shower compartment or whatever in, in Seattle and, and all this stuff. So all of his teammates that talked about him, all of his <laughs> former teammates, you know, that have, have played with him before. It, yeah. it seems like Russell has allowed himself to become the center of attention more than, more than the team. And that's not what football's about. Obviously, you know, star quarterbacks, they're, probably a little more meaningful than than the bottom 50 or bottom you know couple on the 53 but i don't know if there's ever been anyone that has had quite the public perception change that russell wilson has had in one one off season i mean well and i i used to love the guy personally when he went to the broncos i was quite upfront by saying you know i can't cheer for him anymore because he's on yeah. my least favorite team in the nfl but there's people that can't stand him because of his let's ride junk. I mean, he says that every yeah. sentence he can say. If you saw him doing practicing his high fives coming out of the tunnel, like there's some shit that he's doing that is just beyond bizarre. And so, it is really, <laughs> really getting on people's nerves. And, and I don't think here's there's the any thing, way around that. Here's, here's the thing with Russell Wilson. I mean, he started out as a third-round pick. Um, he, he was this little like pit bull coming out because everybody didn't think he could do anything. Obviously Seattle saw something in him and I don't usually buy into this stuff cause they've said it about, I mean, basically anyone with a famous significant other, but yeah. I really did see a very large change in Russell Wilson when he got married and because of, I think her, her lifestyle and, you know, that world. I think it really became, I mean, that's when the dangerous world began. He was no Mr. Longer Unlimited and all dangerous. that weird shit he was doing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, he was so humble in the beginning, it was hard not to like him. Even when he was kicking the shit out of you, you I mean, you're like, damn, classy guy. And yep. now, I mean, by the end of that game, I was just like, good for Seattle. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, and obviously, and I was terrible, rooting but, for them anyway, but. Yeah, right. Oof. I, I think it, it was a big letdown. I don't I don't think it's, you know, end of the world in Denver. I think that they'll probably settle in and figure some things out. He's still a talented athlete. Yeah. Um it I mean it with all these games, it's one game. There it's yeah. not an it's a, so small of a sample size it don't matter. But I was yeah, very surprised, I'll say that. You can't condemn the whole season based on one game. And that's that's why we always say, you know, exercise caution going yeah, doing your reactions off one game. Uh but I do think that this shows some of those weaknesses that we've been talking about with Denver. Uh, their defense isn't quite as good as it was last year. Um, offense still has a pretty suspect uh, offensive line. They lost uh, Tim Patrick at the beginning of the season for the, for the yeah. entire season with an ACL tear. Uh, and then you have a brand new coach. You've got a brand new system. You've got a new quarterback. Oh, man. You, we didn't even talk about... The, oh yeah, the, the coach fourth down call um, that was horrible. But try to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, 
probably ought to. Uh, so they get, I think it was third and 13. They get eight yards to make it fourth and five. They've got, I think there was about 50 seconds left at the end of that play. Rather than calling a timeout and, and figuring out what they want to do, they let the clock burn all the way down to zero and, and call a timeout. They send the kicker in to kick a 64-yard field goal, right? Which would have been yep. career-long. Would have been the I, record. I think, yeah, NFL record. Um, which Might have I even think, been 65. Yeah, it could have been. McManus has the leg to do it. He's done it before in Denver, oh, yeah. but this is not Denver. Um, they said, Hackett said in his, his little conference call uh, after the game that uh, they they felt the number was 64 from, for him. So since they were at that number, they felt comfortable, even though he's only, I think he's like one of eight all time over 60 yards. So I don't care uh, if he can kick 80 yards. Yeah. I, it's a dumb call. It's a, it's, a very it's low percentage chance of, of a kicker making it from that distance. And you just paid someone $250 million on top of whatever he had left on his contract coming from Seattle. So Well, as we talked before, you're talking about a guy with a big ego. Yeah. Well, we think is a big ego now. You just sent a message to this this large contract quarterback that you don't trust him to get it done in those situations. Yeah. I think I think it's going to have some lingering effects. I think so too. And I think this is this definitely speaks to Hackett being a new coach, uh, probably not having sure. the right people in his ear saying, "Hey, here's what we think you should do," or not trusting those people. I don't know. Um, but did. You, just back to Russ real quick. Did you see his sideline audio? I did. He was he was like talking to the defenders while they while he was on the sideline and he was like, Hey, you guys gotta call if it's a run or a pass. You gotta call if it's a run or a pass out loud. And then he was like screaming at the defenders to say and the sideline to say if it was run or pass. And I was just like the more I hear this guy talk, like the more I want him to just go away. But uh, it's I don't know. I'm sorry, Denver. I I don't like Denver Broncos. I, I'm trying not to be as negative as I can be, but seems like a well. I don't have the hate for them that you do, and I also agree with everything that you said. So yeah, I don't think so. you're being biased. You might enjoy it a little more than I do, <laughs> um, but I, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's biased. I think a Denver fan that watched that game would be disappointed in the product. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're already saying fire hack it. So, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, those are the irrational one game sellout for the rest of the season knee, fans. Knee jerk reactions, but it's fine. All right. So we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So you might notice a change in the tire. I am supporting my Wyoming Cowboys stuff for uh, the Air Force game today. But Kyle, you're, you're, you've got your Roberto Clemente uniform still on so uh we're, we're yeah i'll go ahead i'll i'll knock that out real quick um yesterday i guess since we're we're continuing this a day late but yesterday was roberto clemente day um i just wanted to take a moment and give him a nod obviously because as as phenomenal a player as he was he was his his greatness was truly off the baseball field um the humanitarian work that he did that he died doing uh there, there's just not really words to quantify just how truly great he was. Um, so I would urge anyone who doesn't know who he is and what his story was um, to look him up, you know, give him, 
uh, I guess, give him a read because he, he's more than deserving of this day. And frankly, I just, I want to see number 21 retired. So yeah, that's all I got on it. I'm obviously rocking the Jersey today. Um, yeah, just a very special human being and he should be cherished. So I love that they, that the whole MLB wears his number. Yeah. And we talked about it before we had technical difficulties, but uh, they they had a couple guys, actually all the guys that had ever been honored yeah. that that were still alive. They they all met. Uh, they interviewed Dave Stewart. They interviewed a lot of the guys, uh, and and obviously there's a hat tip to Dave Stewart because he had his number retired by the A's over the over the last yep. weekend. So um, shout out to Dave Stewart. Shout out to Roberto Clemente. They all and and Tony Kemp. The the A's. Uh, candidate for the Roberto Clemente award this year. So, um, but we'll go back into NFL and, and just talking about the surprising results from week one around the league. Um, we already talked about Seattle and Denver. There's a couple other games we wanted to mention, and that was Chicago over San Francisco. San Francisco came out to a, a 10 0 lead and then ended up losing 19 to 10. Um, I, I hate to quantify uh, these results because it's Trey Lance's first start uh, where he's the true starter, true number one. Obviously, he had a couple starts last year when Garoppolo was hurt. But uh, this one is is hard to quantify, like I said, just because of the monsoon that they were playing in. And obviously, we've talked about it. Both teams have to play in it. So it's it's tough to say, you know, San Francisco should have won. But I feel like they were heavy favorites and, and ended up losing oh, yeah. by nine. So it was a little bit surprising to me. What did you think about that game? Uh, I mean, those are my two big takeaways. Um, as I mentioned to you a little bit before, the the media coverage of this game really frustrated me because all it focused on was, well, the weather was terrible. Um, so that's why San Francisco lost. And it bothers me because both teams played in it. Yeah. Um, both teams faced the same, you know, the same inclement weather and Chicago rose above it and won the game late. I mean, I just, I hate that being an excuse because, and I, I see a lot of similarities between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. So yeah. for, for it to be a hindrance to one and, and if that is the case, we'll then give Justin Fields mad props because he, he led his team to the win. Um, and then the last thing is, I actually think the winner of the day was the photographer that caught them sliding in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was some like longest yard shit, like just super magical moment. Just, I mean, I think you mentioned it, the, that imagery of Justin Fields sliding and popping up. I mean, it was just, it was men being boys again, and it was just really special. So uh, regardless of the outcome, that's the man who won the day was, was that photographer. So, yep photographer and Justin Fields answering some questions. So, uh, and then yeah. the other major, I would, I guess it's not really an upset cause it was a tie, but Indianapolis. And the I'm going to, I'm going to sum this up with a, I think it was a headline I saw and forgive me. I can't remember who it was from. It might've even been a headline. It might've just been a line, but um, it said not a single team in the AFC South won this week and two of yep. them played each other. Yeah, And I mean, really to process, process that, I was in the middle of, you know, the, the Steelers Bengals game worried about a tie and thankfully we pulled that off, but I flipped the channel and there it is, you know, um, I was really surprised by Indianapolis more than anything. I mean, Houston's got a long way to go and everybody knows it. 
And I thought Jonathan Taylor was just going to ram it down their throats. And I thought Matt Ryan was going to come in and manage the game. And that was going to be that. I didn't think, I mean, it's a divisional game. So you expect some, you know, some fight there, but I thought Indy would run away with it. And I was very surprised. For sure. And yeah, we, we thought, I mean, I had them winning, I think 13, 13 games this season. And I think, yeah, obviously we, we don't want to overreact in week one, but I think this, this is kind of a eye opener in seeing that maybe Indianapolis isn't as strong as we thought they were. I know they're dealing with some injuries up front and the kicking game was an absolute nightmare. They, they cut your, your fantasy kicker in, in Blankenship. Yeah, after Rodrigo. Yeah. yeah, so obviously not a good performance by by their special teams, but we thought for sure that Matt Ryan was going to dot up the uh, yeah. Texans defense. And yeah, like you said, Jonathan Taylor was going to run wild. So it was just a, a surprising finish, to say the least. I agree. Not necessarily that this is doom and gloom for Indianapolis, but <laughs> like you said, Tennessee lost as well, and then these guys split. And yeah, so the division's wide open especially after, you know, just one week. But I, I expected yeah. much more out of Indianapolis. And then we'll just go into some injuries real quick. Uh, we already talked about T.J. Watt a little bit. He he had his torn peck, but the tendon was intact. So he's only going to miss five to six weeks is what they're projecting. So you guys will have to do some, some overcoming there. And then we had Dak Prescott. He broke his finger or his thumb on his throwing mm-hmm. hand. It was initially thought it might be a, a longer... Uh, absence but they're not even putting him on ir uh jerry jones just is saying that, jerry jones yeah they <laughs> they just said surgery went well they're not expecting him to miss more than four weeks obviously we you know based on his recovery we'll see what happens there but i i thought this is a perfect situation for the cowboys to remain in the headlines have an excuse for for the reason why they're pulling back a little bit and getting in that prime position to add some talent because they are a very top heavy team uh, yeah their their starters are, are pretty good players they have stars all over the field but they have no depth and in injuries i mean they're overcoming injuries right now with with their starting left tackle he's out right now so and they signed jason peters he didn't play last week but Obviously, he, he should fit in somewhere. I mean, he's 40 years old, yeah. so can't expect too much he out of him. But... speed, he'll at least improve a little on that line. Yeah, so I, I really thought this would be a perfect situation for them to kind of pull back and, and get some better draft yeah. picks than what they've been getting. So I think that the Eagles are primed to run away with that division, and I we didn't expect Washington and uh, the Giants to win as many games, but... I think this might offer them a, a position where they can win a few yeah. over the Cowboys and, and maybe win more than everyone thought. Um, so moving on from the Cowboys, we had Anthony Averett. He also broke his thumb. Uh, they put him on IR. So he's going to be out at least four weeks, but it sounds like maybe even more than that. Uh, Derek Barnett, I believe he tore his ACL from the Eagles. So he's going to yeah. miss the season. Uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell, early estimates on him from the 49ers were eight weeks. And then in in the AFC North, you had, for Baltimore, Kyle Fuller and Juwan James. They're both going to miss the rest of the season. So that's a big hit to Baltimore. Um, anything you wanted to add there? Um, just, I mean, I talked to you off air a little bit, and I wanted to get your opinion, I guess, a little more on it. But 
it just seems like there's a big time correlation between the lack of starters playing in the preseason. When, when you and I were kids, your starters still played. Yes, it was limited. And, you know, by the fourth game, sure. They were putting I granted. And that was back when we had four um, preseason games, but yep. by the fourth game, you'd have nothing but backups, but there's so many teams that especially their offensive units, they sat all preseason and it felt like there was this big lag all the way across the NFL uh, you know, it took a full half before some of these teams started gelling. And, you know, you take your your teams like the Bills, the Chiefs, uh, you have the Bucks there also. I mean, they actually played in their preseason games and it showed, in my opinion. But more, more importantly, it seemed like a lot of these players that didn't get up to game speed, didn't get the reps in, are also getting injured. Um, so for me personally, I think there's a correlation there of... I mean, your body has to get prepared for the grueling task of a full NFL season. Um, for sure. I, I guess I just want to get your opinion. Obviously, you know mine, but yeah, I'd it like just to seems see a little concerning. Someone, you know, actually go in and, and break this down the correlation between injuries and and quite honestly yeah. the the way that teams play in the first half of the season, um, based on what they're playing in the preseason. And obviously, we've talked about it. The the owners are never going to put their prize players that they're paying all these this high dollars to. Uh, they're never going to put them in a position where they're getting hurt in the preseason. Um, they'd rather, you know, if they're going to get hurt, they'd rather them get hurt in the in the regular season when games count. So we're never going to get back to that same where, you know, even five, ten years ago, players in, in the first three games of the preseason, they were playing the first half. And then you'd see yep. backups come in and play the second half. Um, and now it seems like pl the the starters don't play at all in the first two games, and then you might see them come in for a quarter just to get up to game speed. Because, as Paulie said in our last episode, uh, there's no su there's no substitution uh, for getting up to game speed in practice. You can't do it. It you have to be in the game for for that game speed to come out. And even preseason games, I don't think guys are going full out, and that may have something to do with the injuries as well is they're kind of trying sure. to protect themselves rather than just playing how they normally play. But yeah, no, I think there's an, an absolute correlation in the teams that you mentioned chiefs, bucks, bills, they all had their starters play at least uh, a couple series in, in one or two games. So they all yeah. came out firing. They look like, you know, units that have played before together. And, and some of that's, you know, having Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen and, and Tom Brady, I'm sure that's that's part of it. But I think the other part is, you know, your offensive line is gelled already. Your wide receivers have had some reps with your quarterback, so they're already on the same page in game speed. So I think there's definitely a correlation. So um, moving on, let, let's go into week two real quick. Uh, we, we had the Kansas City and Chargers game last night. Uh, what was your takeaways from that? And then let's talk about that big, big uh, WWE move that <laughs> Dermot James put yeah. on Travis Kelsey. We we will have to talk about that. Um, man, I was really hopeful, hopeful the Chargers were going to put this together, and it looked like they were going to early on, um, especially their defense. It seemed like they had really rose to the occasion. Um, in typical fashion, the Chiefs came in and snuck it out late when in 27 24 but i mean the chargers they should have had this game on yep. numerous occasions and it was just very frustrating because 
I actually do think that they are a better team. I do think that they are more talented across the entire roster. Um, it just didn't come together. I, I, I guess my biggest thing I just give, I think Mike Williams stepped up big, which yep. was really awesome to see because Keenan Allen being out was a worry for them, obviously, offensively. I don't know. I'm just very, I was frustrated because I'm, I'm tired of the chief's reign and I'd like to see it come to an end. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, th- I think what you said is right. I think the, the chargers have a more talented roster from top to bottom and they did expose a lot of the, the chief's weaknesses in this game. And that is yeah. the offensive line. Um, they're not giving Mahomes enough time to make those off schedule plays where, you know, he's sitting back in the pocket, yeah. climbing, getting extra seconds and and then making those deep throws down the field. The Chargers had every opportunity to put this game away. They were up 17 to 7 at one point. Um, And quite honestly, I mean, if they, that play where Everett tries to come out and they do the the pay or the tempo, they all come up to the line and and then he makes a bad break on a ball or maybe it's just bad uh, ball positioning by Herbert. I don't know what happened there, but 99 yards the other way and, and gets the Chiefs right back in it. So. Uh, in fact, I think they took the lead on that play. So it's it's just the Chargers always seem to have a way of chargering it up, and, and that's just what they do. And that's why I'll never pick them to, to take the division. I'll never pick them until they show me that they can do it. And yeah. when you have Justin Herbert and all that talent on the offensive side of the football, when you have the defense that you do, you have no business losing a game that you're ahead 17-7 to in the third well, quarter. They got some bad news on an update today. He's still going to play, but Justin has a rib injury that he got in the fourth quarter of that game. We'll see how that develops and if it's going to, you know, affect him. But well, hopefully they don't give him the uh, who was that quarterback they had last year or two years ago when they drafted um, Herbert and they gave him a rib injection and ended up puncturing his lung and. Oh, yeah. That's how Herbert took over the job. I feel bad for that guy. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but every place he's been, he's lost his job due to some weird injury or something that like sucks. that. But uh, <laughs> I wish terrible. I terrible. I wish I could shout out his name right now. But anyway, yeah, no. And then we're talking about the uh, Travis Kelsey takedown by Derwin James. Shout out to Sonny. He shot us the the clip of that happening, and it was an absolute WWE. Yeah, Sonny Coleman. Thank you, sir. Yes, Sonny. <laughs> thanks for that that shout out and sending us that. So, um, just a beautiful play. I love seeing it the, happen uh, to Travis Kelsey because he's terrorized the the Raiders defense yeah. for so many years going. But what was your take on well, that play? Well, two things, I guess. The it was beautiful to see because he's one of those players that bullies defenses and has his whole career. So a lot of people are scared to make contact with him. You can see it, whether they'll admit it or not, you know, they go low or they're trying to do these dumb hand tackles to see somebody step up and just no, sir. I mean, I loved it. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, and then the other thing I guess is we have the advantage because of our technical difficulties, but a day later, the memes are just unreal. No, man. Um, a lot of them are, you know, WWE wrestlers with their heads superimposed, and it just—it's—it's it's funny. It's—it's it's funny seeing it to somebody like that because he usually embarrasses, um, you know, other players. And I don't think he and would run, admit it, but if you mouth. saw, yeah. And when he when he got up, you could tell he was hurting. 
Oh yeah, and uh, I am shocked that they didn't to hide throw a flag. I am I shocked they, they didn't throw a flag because every time you see a suplex or whatever in the NFL, they always yeah. flag it. And even as he's coming down, uh, another Chargers defender came in and clipped him yeah. at the end there too. I was surprised. So I was like literally looking around because every time <laughs> it seemed every time Mahomes threw a pick in that game, there was a flag on the field and it it washed it away every time. So I thought for sure that that penalty or that play was going to be flagged but it didn't ha- happen so anything else you had on that uh, i know we're looking forward to our team's uh week two matchups you want to break for those sure. down real quick um yeah just i guess for for the steelers we're playing new england um i think this is a pretty favorable game for us uh, not to say that i think we're going to win it with a landslide but um you know they're they're not the patriot patriot teams of old and with with uh tj being out i think it's also another good game for us to have a chance of going two and oh and building off of it for the season yeah. uh and the defense will not be what cincinnati's defense is so i think matt canada and mitchell trubisky can get that offense going a little more so we can see really what we have um and that's really about it uh I, I'm curious to see Najee run, Najee Harris. He he tweaked that ankle a little bit again, um, but supposedly he's back at practice and he's going to play. So I'm hoping to see him looking looking good. So other than yeah. that, I just I think it's a good game to build on, and I hope we capitalize. Yeah, I think you guys will have a really good shot at this game. Uh, Patriots offense does not look good. Yeah. Uh, defense is not what it was last year. So I think you guys will have every opportunity to go two and zero. Not that I think it's going to be high scoring or anything. I think probably maybe a 17 to 14 win, something like that, where your defense is shutting out their offense. So, all right. And then in terms of the Raiders, we are playing the Cardinals. They're obviously coming off that huge loss to the Chiefs. Uh, More of the same for them. I think they're struggling both on offense and defense. They're they're relying on J.J. Watt to make a lot of plays. And the guy, obviously, he he was a world breaker back in his day. But, I mean, he's 33 now, so tough for him to make those dominant plays where he's just disrupting the entire play. So I think this will be a a big win by the Raiders. I can't remember what the spread is. I think it's 10. I think they'll go over that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win by double digits at all. In fact, I'm, I'm half expecting it. I think you're going to see the offense clean up some of those errors they made. Derek Carr, he's never played quite as bad as he had. Well, like I said, I think he's had three interception three three interception games in his career and he typically bounces back well from any any bad performances so i'm expecting that and then just a couple quick games that we're looking forward to uh, i want to see that dolphins ravens game just to see what the dolphins actually have on offense i think they got kind of a pass by facing the the patriots so that's one i'm looking forward to we were looking forward to the the chargers and chiefs game and then another one that I'm really looking forward to is the the Bucks and Saints, just because Saints yeah. typically play very well against Tom Brady, except in the uh, postseason. So that should be a fun one and to I, watch. I, I do. I mean, obviously, it's come to light a lot more that this is probably going to be his last season. But I made the comments early on. I think this is it. Yep. Um, his personal life, his his return press conference, he looked like hell. Yeah. He looked terrible. I think um, some of that was a fresh a plastic surgery procedure, but <laughs> his um, face looked so frozen. I'm really, really hoping that the Saints can continue their dominance of a, a Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay team. 
least regular season. But um, yeah, I agree. Those are the games that I, I kind of have circled and I want to check out. So yeah. And then we'll last one week two. Bill's Titans in on Monday night, obviously. I don't, we're, I don't think homers. this is going to be, I don't think this is going to be like the game last year where it was, no. where it was close. And then Tennessee, you know, where it was able to pull it off. I think Buffalo is going to embarrass them. Yeah. And um, obviously we're hoping personally. for that. So, and then <laughs> yeah. you just had a quick shout out to Dan Barino. Uh, it's his birthday yeah, yesterday. We're, we're a day late now, but um, yeah, yeah hey, he, he's my all time favorite NFL player. Um, you know, he went to school at Pitt and just happy birthday day late, sir. Old Danny Marino. Ain't nobody better. Yep. And then two quick notes. We'll, we'll just briefly do these, uh, A's not much to talk about, not winning many games. Uh, like I did mention the the Dave Stewart number retirement. It kills me that I couldn't go to that because Dave Stewart was my all time favorite A's player. Uh, so shout out to Dave again. Uh, A's, hopefully they keep on winning. I don't want to see him lose 100 games, but it's getting pretty close. So I think that may happen. And then your Pirates, anything other than uh, young guys? I mean, yeah, more of the same. We got the young guys up. The O'Neill Cruz show is running rampant. He's still hitting dingers left and right. Um, I mean, he definitely still has his strikeouts, but being a power hitter, that's going to happen. Um, but we, we've had a lot of young guys, and surprisingly enough, we went on a four-game tear against the Reds and, and swept them four games. And our young pitching looked phenomenal. Um, I get it. It's the Reds. But still, for us to put four games together where the young guys went late, I mean, you know, sixth inning kind of games, um, it's big for us. That's a big step. So I'm hoping we can continue to build this year. Obviously, everybody knows the Pirates are rebuilding and looking to the future, but I hope that fit, that future begins to show itself next year. And um, I hope we utilize the rest of the season for that, obviously. But And for my 2022 A's, four games in a row is called a win streak. So maybe we could try <laughs> that sometime. <laughs> uh, I don't like to call it that because then – your fifth game, you run into the Mets on Roberto yeah. Clemente day and you want that win so bad and you lose. Uh, seven to one. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Just saying. Especially when, you know, they spend 170 more million than you on their roster, but it's fine. Yeah, um, okay. Well, with that being said, I, that that's all we have for this episode. So we, we hope you guys enjoy and just want to plug the Eric Polly episode. Uh, go back and listen to that one. If you haven't heard it yet, it was a, an absolute right. banger. Um, pack the war tonight against Air Force on uh, sure. what is it? National Guard Appreciation Day or or whatever Armed Forces uh, Appreciation yeah. Day, There's something some, like that. It might be Armed Forces. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, and hopefully, our we have some good news to report on our NFL teams coming back this this following weekend. So, all right, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, like, share, all that fun stuff. Help help us get the word out. And we appreciate you tuning in every week.